This is Observations Q&O Podcast for Friday, the 26th of February, 2021. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dale Franks. Hey, well, yeah, I'm Bruce McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. That would be, welcome that would the, be my cue. <laughs> well, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. In more ways than one. <laughs> well, I, I um, have been treated to my wife listening all day to the CPAC conference. Fortunately, I had a couple of meetings and I was able to close my door and get away from it, but it was on all day. And as far as I can tell, CPAC is a big, big supporter of Donald Trump. Yeah. In fact, it's the Donald Trump Club now. It's TPAC, uh. not CPAC. Yeah, they, they have basically uninvited anybody who is, uh, you know, not a fan of Trump's and, and a never-Trumper, who were regular. Some of those, some of them were regulars there. And uh, it's, it's all Trump all the time now. Um, and, I, you know, say what you may about that, but to me, uh, having gone to a few CPACs and listened to what was said there and all that, and, and, and basically they're discussed with the establishment Republicans, et cetera. Um, it's not, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, Trump actually went and fought and that was one of the big topics. always a, a, a big topic at CPAC was God, if we just had somebody to fight. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you have to give that to the fella. He was a fighter. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, and, and he gave back as, uh, uh, as good as he got, and 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 so that made him sort of a folk hero, and I guess apparently a a, a political hero. But I didn't realize, frankly, uh, that that's uh, that that's where CPAC was now. Well, it it clearly is, and you know, obviously Trump still has a lot of support, which is, you know, despite all of his fighting, let's be honest, he didn't win a second term. No. So how effective was the fighting that he did if it isn't going to have a long-term effect? What we've seen is 40 executive orders that have essentially overturned everything he did as president. Right. But the bottom line is that, you know, compared to, to uh, uh, the squishes that have been uh, representing the, the Republican Party, um, the, the, the CPAC faithful are, uh, you know, okay with that. Okay, well then um, if you want to play the game of, sure, our guy lost the last election, but we're going to put him up again, a la Adlai Stevenson, then nothing stops you from playing that game, I guess. Well, I don't know that that's the game. Uh, I don't know at all that they're, that, you know, um, uh, who was it? Uh, Mitch McConnell said, well, yeah, if, if Trump's the guy, I'll, I'll certainly vote for or uh, support him in 2024. I don't think Trump's going to be the guy. But I do think that Trump's going to settle into a role of being kingmaker. He's going to be the guy who blesses candidates and, and they're going to be his kind of candidates, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, and CPAC is a perfect forum for that, uh, or one of the mo more perfect forums for him in, in that regard. I think that's where he's going with this. I, I It's difficult for me to see, it's, to, to understand or to, to accept that he would want to run again? I, I think when he gets there, he's going to go, yeah, no, this isn't for me. I mean, he'll be 78. He'll be Joe Biden's age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
and, and four, four years is a long time, and it's awfully early to be talking about the 2024 election. But there you go. Yeah, and and so you know, I'm 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 just guessing that he's uh, he's going to play kingmaker more than anything. Well, then I guess the real question is who he'll finally decide to crown as king. Well, good question. Uh, certainly isn't going to be the guy who spent four years as a vice president with him. You know? <laughs> yeah, most likely not. Mike, no. Mike Pence. But but my guess is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably see Vi uh, Mike Pence in the mix uh, come 2024. Well, I, it, it seems to me that throwing your all behind Trump is a high-risk strategy. Well, it, it certainly is. And, uh, but here's the other thing. Um, we seem to, uh, as a people, as time goes by, seem to uh, forget about things. And depending upon how bad the uh, Joe Biden presidency is, uh, people may be ready for, you know, uh, well, I don't know, mean things said on Twitter instead of airstrikes in Syria. You know, who knows? Maybe so. Let's talk about those airstrikes in Syria because, you know, Donald Trump is an interesting diversion, but he's not dropping bombs on people in, you know, the, the, the brown people in dirty, poor countries. And Joe Biden is. Um, the argument being is that if you target American troops, then you can expect to get bombed. Which yeah. is that's that's precisely right. And so. That's what uh, that's what he did. The, the, the thing is, and the one thing that he talked about, Biden I'm talking about, was proportionality. So we have rockets hitting near an air base and uh, uh, killing one American and wounding seven. And he goes and hits what one guy uh, basically uh, described as a T-stop for those going from Iraq into Syria. Uh, proportional? No. Uh, wasn't even close. So... You know, he's got that that on him. And, and if you recall, when when Trump was president and that happened, uh, what happened to what was hit? Well, the head of the Quds Force was hit. Soleimani was killed. And uh, that uh, and that's where, you know, Biden screamed, not, you know, not proportional, not proportional. Well, um, gee, what did they do after that? Not much now. Hey, now they're uh, they're uh, looking at this. Uh, hey, we'll go out and kill a few goats and, and blow up a tent and saying, that's it. That's all you're going to do. OK. Yeah. The, the idea of proportional being something that uh, doesn't actually damage these people's ability to strike Americans. Right. And, and when you take out when when you you. you use the intel you've got to take out <clears throat> their uh, top man, uh, then then you have made it clear that you're not someone to be screwed with. When you go and hit, you know, a, a, uh, a rest stop on the road to Syria, yeah, not so much. Yeah, well, again, not something that is surprising coming from Joe Biden, a man who has been wrong about every foreign policy issue for the past 50 years. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, so it, what you have to do is, you know, the other thing I found interesting is, A, Kamala Harris was not informed of this advance uh, in advance about the strike, and apparently she is pissed. But B, it was uh, 
it was also Kamala Harris who questioned the legality of such airstrikes during the Trump administration. <laughs> yeah. Which puts her in a bit of an awkward situation. And apparently the press secretary uh, did so as well. Yeah, well, look, uh, again, I always refer to the Jerry Brown axiom. That was then, <laughs> this is now. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, when, but, you, when you have yeah. no shame, Bruce, it's it's not hard to be shameless. Yeah, and they, God, they're good at it. Yeah, so I, I don't know that this is going to be effective. I don't know that it sends a message. Uh but, you know, at least it makes him look like he's doing something, which I think was the whole point. And yeah, I, I agree. As far as Kamala Harris not being notified of it, well, uh, apparently she doesn't yet realize that her job is to go to the funerals of foreign di uh, dignitaries. <laughs> well, she's, yeah, apparently so. I, I thought it was funny when I, when I saw the, somebody, uh, some reporter tweeted that Kamala Harris had not been told in advance of this and was very upset about that. And there was somebody that wrote back and said, did Joe Biden know about it? <laughs> <laughs> Under normal circumstances, that would be a funny question. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure that it's as funny now. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was really interesting. Uh, Nine News in Australia this past week had a a pretty scathing op-ed broadcast nationwide in uh, Australia about Joe Biden already being a very shaky president. Uh, yeah. They've come out and said what no one in the American news media will say. This fellow doesn't appear to be all there. Yeah. His elevator doesn't quite go to the top. Yeah. I mean, and, and so, you know, <laughs> Even our allies know this. Uh, our allies are aware of it. I mean, it's also been reported that uh, Kamala Harris is, is the one calling foreign leaders, not Joe Biden. So, yeah, you, uh, you wonder who the real puppet master is here because it sure seems like Joe isn't the one in charge. Yep, you got to wonder. You got to wonder. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the uh, um, the other indicator to me was when they talked about the nuclear codes and said, gee, maybe we don't need one guy having the opportunity and the right to push the button. Maybe we ought to rethink that. Yeah, but and, you know, and, that's a, you know I, I saw that earlier this week and Congress is talking about maybe the, you know, and Pelosi actually came out and said it, you know, the, maybe the yeah. president shouldn't be the... The, the yeah. sole nuclear release authority. Well, it sure as hell shouldn't be anyone in Congress. Well, th yeah. But but my question is, gee, given what grief and crap they threw at Trump, why wasn't this brought up by the Democrats? Because that's who's brought it up, by the way. Why wasn't this brought up by the Democrats when Trump was in power? Yeah, that would have seemed to have been the perfect, uh, the perfect yeah. opportunity. Yeah. So now, suddenly, 30 members of Congress are writing letters saying, gee, you know, maybe we ought to uh, kind of rethink this, uh, given the new codes to, uh, why is that? And, and I understand. I mean, you know, the Constitution gives Congress um, the sole power to declare war, but it also gives them, you know, they can make rules uh, for the government and regulation of land and naval forces. So that makes it clear that they could figure out how to do that. The executive's job then would be the, to execute whatever policy and rules they come up with.
And, and so this, I think, would fall into that purview. The question for me continues to be, though, why now? Why not, you know, last year when Trump, crazy Trump was in office? Yeah, well, it, it does make one think. I, I, I can't help but think back to uh, Richard Nixon in the dark days of 1972 and, and early 73, whenever uh, the defense secretary, uh, I can't remember who it was at the time. I think it was Harold Brown, but I, I, I could be completely wrong about that. Um, actually just told the entire Joint Chiefs uh, any military action that the president at the current point in time uh, proposes, uh, you need to run that by me before saying <laughs> yes, sir, to the president of the United States. It's always Either been better. it's always been one of the weaknesses, and, and you know, it sort of grew out of of the the trust, I guess, that Congress had for the president, and the fear of the Soviet Union, which just said, "Look, we don't have enough time. We've got maybe twenty or thirty minutes warning when these missiles are coming through. At that point, it becomes use them or lose them." The president has no time for consultation. Therefore, it doesn't make any sense for anyone but the president to have the final authority for nuclear release as the commander in chief. Now, that has been the rule since the 1940s, really. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure you know, that's you... always been a wise idea, but um, it, it does seem but, interesting that it comes but up. But what, yeah, what you have to realize is it, 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 under the doctrine of mutually assured destruction, that was true. It still is. Um, you're not going to get much time uh, to decide whether you're going to launch or not. Uh, that doesn't mean, though, that you couldn't have a, a two-person launch. Uh, and, and who would be uh, most likely uh, to have all, that, uh, all the uh, uh, intel uh, necessary and, and be up on the situation as much as the president? Well, probably the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Um, you know, who knows, uh, figure that out and you can make it a, a joint, uh, a, you could make it a joint launch, but again, you know, uh, the, the, the point about there not being much time is, is a valid point. Um, I'm not sure I'd want to launch, even if they had launched, uh, what do you, what are you going to do except, well, but, but the bottom line is that's what has always deterred uh, nuclear warfare is the fact that if you launch, I'm launching. And you can't have a committee meeting about that. No, but at the same time, it's kind of odd, you know, the way that nuclear weapons are handled is under the two-man rule. Mm -hmm. which Agreed. You can never have a single person launch a nuclear weapon. It's two, That's absolutely true. It's two missile operators in the, the silos. It's two Each operators with a key. in a yep. submarine. It's two, um, it's the aircraft commander and his uh, bombardier in a nuclear bomber. There's always two people that have to initiate it, uh, all the way up to the president, and then it's just him. He has yep. the sole authority. So you could do that with a joint launch with, with maybe the chairman, who really isn't in the chain of command but reports directly to the president and and would be up he's going to be in the in the um he's going to be a part of all the briefings he's going to be in the in the uh situation room he's going to be right there when when all this is going down um the other side of this is one one of the things that we were most concerned about back then was we had land-based or land-based nuclear missiles we really don't have that many of those anymore i mean we still do 
but but most of ours sit out under the sea and uh, can strike from just about anywhere so uh, you know while the while the urgency or the amount of time it would take for a a land-based nuclear strike to get here is, remains the same. Uh, the re reaction uh, is not necessarily has to be done immediately. Uh, so, yeah. However, that means you also have to get the, the president, whoever has that second football, uh, somewhere where, they, where that decision can be made, even if the strike hits. And, and you have to get them to that place or to any place of safety, and secure communication relatively quickly. Swiftly. Yes, quickly. But yeah. you know, so nuclear submarines of... in the Navy operate under a uh, a weird. They operate under the exact opposite of what land-based nuclear missiles do. Land-based nuclear missiles are always told, "Don't shoot unless we tell you." Um, on nuclear submarines, there is a VLF transmitter, a couple of VLF transmitters, that are constantly broadcasting, "Don't shoot! Don't shoot! Don't shoot!" And it's the Navy's policy if a boomer commander all of a sudden no longer hears the don't shoot message, he's authorized to launch nuclear weapons. Mm. That's the that's a, a negative control rather than positive control. They're constantly yeah. being told never to shoot, but the presumption being is if we lose all of the VLF transmitters and you can't hear the don't shoot message, that you may want to check things out and prepare to fire your missiles. Yeah, I was going to say that there, there also has to be a, a protocol to where you run through a number of checks before that, that being the thing that alerts you, you run through a number of checks before you go, okay, fire. Right. And at the end of the day, the commander and the XO both have to agree to turn those keys. Right. But it's a, it's a, it's an unusual system, but again, developed back in the days of mutual assured destruction to let the Soviets know, look, even if you blow up the entire United States, we still have nuclear submarines that will, at irregular times, just be popping up and peppering Moscow with missiles. Yeah, almost a dead man switch. Yeah, that's more or less what it is. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. Did not know that. Yeah, so they're constantly being told not to fire. If they don't get that you-shouldn't-fire message, and the nice thing about VLF is it transmits pretty much everywhere. It doesn't transmit with very high bandwidth, um, yeah. but it does transmit everywhere. So they have a weird system set up there for that. And that's just a, a, a an odd aside. I like it. It was an <laughs> interesting. Cool. Yeah, but it let the Soviets know, hey, even if you wipe us out, and we don't get a chance to respond. You kill all of our bombers and all of our land-based missiles. Without warning from all over the world, we'll just start peppering you with missiles as these submarines come up, check their don't-shoot message, and don't get it. Mm-hmm. Although, to... I'm, I'm not sure that that's still the way it works now. That's certainly the way it worked when I was in the service. I'm not sure that it still works that way. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they, I'm sure that they've, they've got some sort of method. Uh, where, you know, a submarine commander has to have some level of autonomy. Um, he, he has to be able to make uh, decisions uh, even when he can't contact his higher headquarters. And those decisions have to be made, you know, according to some sort of uh, protocol, some sort of procedure. And that would, that to me would, would 
sound like one that would still be valid today. You come up, you don't get that message. Your next step is this. If you don't get that, then you go here. And because they're not, they're not, um, you know, the, the timing of, of their strike is not as important as, as uh, it is if you're a land-based missile and you've got missiles coming in on you. And they often so, can't be contacted for long stretches of time. In point of right. fact, there was a movie with Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman that covered this very scenario mm. where the captain they, wanted to shoot and his executive officer, Denzel Washington, did not. Mm. Interesting stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah, Congress is now now all concerned about having sole authority for nuclear release all of a sudden. Nah. I uh, don't, don't want it anywhere near that bunch. Yeah, give it to Eric Sowell. Oh, yeah, there's a fellow who can be trusted. Mm. Oh, bang, bang. Anyway. A, a fellow who still sits on the Intelligence Committee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no repercussions for hanging out with spies. No. Well, why should there be? Diane Feinstein hired one as a chauffeur for like 10 years. Yeah, for at least a decade. Yeah, and do we ever hear about that? No, no, we don't. And we had, I think, the Pakistani family that was doing all the, the uh, work on the Democratic congressional computers for 10 years and then fled the country. Yeah, that stuff just falls through the cracks. Not worth reporting yeah. on. There's we, real... we, don't, we don't hear about that stuff. Yeah, there's real news. Why would we worry about that? <laughs> you know, the Russians controlling our elections. By the way, if the Russians are controlling our elections, they did a piss poor job in 2020. <laughs> that was the Chinese at that. Oh, I guess yeah. The Chinese <laughs> wanted. Uh... Well, you know, according to a couple Democratic Congress people, um, hey, it's uh, it's pretty bad out there on the right side of everything. And uh, they wrote a letter to the CEOs of uh, AT and T, Verizon, Roku, Amazon, Apple, Comcast, Charter, Dish, Cox, saying, hey. Experts have noted that right-wing media ecosystem is much more susceptible to disinformation, lies, and half-truths because they're the ones that believed and pushed the Trump-Russian collusion crap for four years, for God's sake. You know, no, it was the other side that did that. But anyway, you know, they, they talk about the, the, the right-wing ecosystem falling for all this crap and, and use here's what they used for sources as unbiased media outlets uh, that that noted this Vox slate media matters, Washington post, CNN. And, and, and so they went through a list of questions and say, asking them how they're monitoring what these people say and what they're, you know, do they think they should actually be on there? And they're talking about OAN, they're talking about Newsmax and they're talking about Fox. And, and I thought, you know, uh, the, the irony of them using those the, those sources to you know brand the, the right wing as susceptible to disinformation, lies, and half truths just absolutely blew me away. I mean, God. yeah, no How, one has a monopoly on misinformation. Yeah, for four years, those same sources pushed the Russian collusion crap for four years. Yeah, that turned out to be a big nothing burger. Yeah, and no letters went out to CEOs then. But this is, again, another concerted effort by the left, uh, one among many, um, to control 
the narrative out there to suppress uh, voices that uh, don't agree with them. And so this is basically congressional intimidation going along here. Now, interestingly, they'll, they don't have to work very hard on some of these, you know, some of these networks are in bed with them, Amazon, Apple, et cetera. But, uh, you know, this is ridiculous. This is, this is uh, whether they like it or not, exactly uh, what uh, uh, Gina Carano was talking about. And by the Supreme Court has already addressed issues like this and, they, and have said pretty clearly, look, Congress um, doesn't just have to make a law to uh, make something a violation of the First Amendment. If Congress um, even implicitly threatens a private organization and that organization then begins, you know, throttling free speech, that is a government action. The fact that the people who actually are doing it are you know, private actors, they're only doing so at the behest of the government, and that the government can't hide behind this, it's a private organization, we had nothing to do with it, if they are doing this under the threat of regulation. That's essentially government coercion. We're not telling well, you what to do, but we'll certainly regulate the hell out of you if you don't do what we want. Um you can't hide behind, uh, well, these are just private organizations that are free to do what they want when they're facing that level of government scrutiny. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And, um, you know, it was, uh, that was one uh, example of it. Um, the other was, and I think we talked about this last week, was, was the vaccinations and trying to remove uh, anything from uh, social media uh, that would... Uh, uh, you know, throw a damper on on getting vaccinated, uh, i.e., the anti-vaxxers, and and both Facebook and Twitter uh, said spokespeople said that they were working with the White House uh, or in regular communication with the White House on a number of critical issues. You know, so uh, including COVID nineteen misinformation. So, you know, to me. The purpose or, or the function of government in, in this sort of situation is to put out the facts and let the people decide what they're going to do. And if they're good enough at putting out the facts and, and, and making the, the vaccines available and putting out the science that's behind it, um, then all this supposed misinformation and, and, and silliness that's going on out there is going to fall on deaf ears. Um, so my question then becomes, what are they afraid of? Why are they so paranoid about this information? I mean, anti-vaxxers didn't just pop up. They've been around since polio. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, where, where did we get into this? All of a sudden, we got to suppress this. I mean, what, Look, what happened? There are always going to be people who fall prey to misinformation for whatever reason. Right. You can't protect it. Not all the baby turtles are going to make it to the ocean. Right. right? <laughs> you, you, you can't protect everybody. I had a conversation with a relative who is um, retired and retired uh, after many years as a medical professional who had wanted to tell me not to take the COVID vaccine because it contains a microchip that allows the government to track you and may in fact be the mark of the beast spoken of in Revelation by mm. St. John the Divine. I, 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 I don't know how to respond to 
arguments like that. I don't know how you pick up that level there, of There is no response to an argument like that because you're not going to change your mind. You can't reason even with science. You can't reason someone out of a position they didn't reason themselves into. Right. Yeah. And so there is no response. But yeah. And people are going to believe loony things like that, whether you suppress. In fact, if you suppress it, you make it even more likely they're going to believe it because they think you're trying to hide something. Transparency or, or a lack of transparency, rather, breeds conspiracy theories. Yes. And so when you when you make a concerted effort and are open about the fact that you want to uh, silence the other side, the other side goes, why? And well, those in the middle who are trying to figure out which way to go, go, why? And here's how ridiculous it gets, because this happened today. Somebody got banned from, uh, I believe it was Facebook, for 90 days. Because back in November, apparently someone was trolling through their, their you know, backlog and back in november they posted a picture of jeffrey dahmer jeffrey dahmer mind with the caption don't tell me how many people i can have for thanksgiving oh god that's a great meme i've seen that yeah well it's worth a 90-day suspension from facebook my goodness because you are posting disinformation about covid we're humorless aren't we Good Lord. You know, a lot of this is algorithmically driven. Oh, I understand It's not a human who's making that decision. But once you turn those things over, you know, computers can't think. Computers don't know that that's Jeffrey Dahmer and that that has a, you know, a hidden meaning. They just say, oh, oh, there we go. There's another, you know, COVID denier and 90-day suspension. My goodness. And it's, it's self-defeating. That's the thing that really gets me. Anybody who wants to censor something or, or all of these people who want to, you know, throttle what you can say on Facebook or whatever, it, it, it's self-defeating. Because, yeah. because if you're not afraid of it, then you don't address it. If you're afraid of it, it must be because it's true. And it, for, for the people who want to believe it, it merely confirms that you are in the act of hiding the truth, man. And so it never works. And also, it's simply ineffective. Look, the Soviet Union had one of the most rigorous uh, media-controlled societies that the world has ever seen. Perhaps only the North Koreans and the Chinese have been more effective at uh, censoring their media. And yet the Soviets were utterly powerless to prevent anybody who wanted to from getting a hold of Samizdat that was produced all over the Soviet Union uh, in direct contravention of the law in that case. And you think that you're going to be able to stop people in any sort of a free society from coming across this stuff? First of all, you can't do it. And second of all, even if you did do it, it just makes it look like you're hiding something. You can't get away with running a policy like that unless the people to whom you are directing that policy have an absolute faith in your honesty and forthrightness, and they have faith in your judgment. There is no institution in this country in which which has universal uh, the universal faith of the American electorate. It just doesn't exist anymore. Nope, it sure doesn't. And all they're doing is making themselves look like totalitarians, which, by the way, is what they are. It's a pretty good look, isn't it? It fits pretty well. Yeah. It, 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 they... And it's getting and it's getting more and more and more obvious. That's the thing. I mean, 
these these moves are not even well hidden anymore. They're just right there, you know, and it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. But, you know, people put up with it. I mean, you know, once a society gets to a certain point, they just simply, this stuff just goes on. I mean, look at Great Britain right now, a country that oh, no. 20 or 30 years ago, I never would have believed it. But now, if you say something nasty on Facebook, the uh, local constabulary can come up and pick you up for a public order offense. Amazing. And it is amazing what, what's, what's, I mean, I, you know, I lamented this last week, but it's true. Here we live in the freest, most prosperous country in the world, and look what we're doing to it. Why? Yeah. We're, Why in the world are we doing this? I don't, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, you know, going back to Joe Biden, I look at the decisions he's made since he took over as president, and I'm, I'm, I'm just flummoxed at what could possibly be the justification for things like shutting down the Keystone Pipeline. I, it, there doesn't seem to be a single argument in favor of it that I can think of, uh, and yet we've done it anyway. Yeah. And hell, he, he ran on it, for goodness sakes. Um, okay, but I, I don't know what was accomplished. I don't know who wins. But, but yeah, I don't either. But, it, it you know, a lot of what goes on is really incomprehensible to me. And I don't see how yeah. people, it's like young people today who seem to think that socialism is this cool new thing that no one's ever tried before. Yeah, that one I don't understand. Well, I, I, I have a, 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 at least somewhat of an idea uh, why that is. And that's because history has been so trashed uh, over the last couple of decades uh, and its teaching uh, that um, what they hear has nothing to do with the reality of, uh, of the system. Um, I mean, I was reading a, a somebody, uh, I think it was a teacher or a professor, I, I can't remember who, who was absolutely shocked when he found out that most of the people in his class didn't even know who Adolf Hitler was. And, um, you know, the Holocaust wasn't that long ago, but that basic teaching uh, of... of uh, the history and 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 the wars and and what they wrought and, wh and what they got uh, isn't taught anymore. It's it's mostly about uh, social justice, um, and uh, uh, so they don't know national socialism. They don't know uh, Soviet socialism. They certainly don't. I, I would guess that most of them don't even really recognize that. Uh, China's a communist country. Uh, you know, North Korea is just a bad guy. And so they don't look at, they don't know uh, what goes on in these places or what went on in these places. And consequently, the lie of socialism remains fresh and as, and as good as it always does to the, to the uh, naive. And it seems to me to the extent that kids today learn about history, they basically learn about all the things that the founding fathers and subsequent generations did wrong. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, we're going to impose today's morals on uh, people that live, you know, 300, 400 years ago. Um, it's, it's just like uh, trying to tell um, my niece, who is a quarter Cherokee, that uh, 
that what happened here wasn't the stealing of land, but it was a conquest because that's what went on in those days. That was the reality of that time. And the fact that her people, uh, now, let me caveat that by saying Andrew Jackson, uh, I'm not talking about Andrew Jackson and the tale of, Trail of Tears. I'm talking about the, the you know, the, this tribe moved in on this tribe and pushed them out west. And that, I mean, it went on all the time. The fact that that uh, uh, the whites came over and conquered this land because they had superior technology and eventually more people, uh, it, that's the way it went. Uh, so we can play this, you stole our land crap, crap all you want, but that's not what happened. That what happened was they conquered your land. And, and uh, they don't want to hear that. They want to be victims. Uh, and, and so this, uh, this, this crap about stolen land plays big. Uh, you know, everybody wants to be a victim for some reason. I ha have yet to figure this out in my life. Huh, you know, how, and, and how far back do you go with that? I mean, do you go back yeah. to the Saxons and the Jutes, the Franks yeah. and the Goths? I mean, yeah. If we're going to pay reparations, do we pay, do we make the damn, uh, uh, Egyptians pay the, the Israelis? I mean, come on. I mean, this is ridiculous. Uh, this is now, not then to. Uh, coin a Jerry Brown print. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always endlessly amused whenever people talk about, you know, how we force the Plains Indians to give up their traditional lifestyle. Their oh, traditional lifestyle was based on horses that didn't even exist on this continent until the Spaniards arrived. Yeah. They had yeah. they had no horses prior to that. They built an entire system of life that was basically brand new where they now had the mobility to travel the plains. Oh, and by the way, just because you're traveling the plains doesn't mean you own them all. That's correct. And, and they were no, you know, you'll read something and say, these nomadic people, oh, they were nomads. So they didn't really have a place they called home. No, they went from here to here and then back to here and then maybe over to here. Oh, but we stole that from them, huh? Okay. Clearly, there was a conquest that went on, but it, that yes. has been that has been the warp and woof of human history since, uh, well, since one caveman looked at another caveman and said, "You know what? I like your cave, and I can take it." That's right. That's exactly right, and and nothing has changed really. Uh, that's exactly the way it still works. Uh, you know, like it or not, Does conquest it? is conquest, and that has been the nature of man. Yeah, I mean, you know. Now we can get all victimy about it and try and get somebody to pay for your discomfort, but the bottom line is that's reality. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm, I always tell you there's nothing a society can do but be just in its own time. Um but when it comes to the reservation system and things like that, I, I do wonder how just we're being at this particular point. Well, I'm not, I, I wouldn't even claim that we're being just. I, you know, I think the reservation sy system sucks. Uh, that doesn't change the fact uh, that what was done was done in the era of conquest, and I'm not going to apologize for it. I wasn't even born yet, had nothing to do with it. Exactly. And you weren't on the land, and you, you, know, you are who you are now. Make the most of it. Yeah, well, that uh, that basically is an argument from white supremacy, we are now told. Apparently, apparently, yeah. 
that and being on time and doing a good job. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, well. it, it, yeah. It, it amazes me. Math is now white white supremacy because you know it, it's so exact and, and demanding, and it doesn't allow for any you know creativity. Well, no, it's a science, but you know, the party of science doesn't want to hear that. Yeah, it's amazing how how much these people who physically love science in a sensual and seductive manner uh, are willing to toss over science at the first indication that it may uh, conflict with their. Well, their wishes. Yeah, well, here's the thing. And this is what I wish somebody would ask. One of these yahoos that comes out and says, yeah, it can be two or two, it's five, six, four. You know, it could be a lot of things, really. So tell me how we get to Mars on that. Yeah, calculate calculate a Holman orbit with that. Yeah. Tell me how we work that. Because I don't think it does. (laughs) You know? What do you feel two plus two is today? God, I swear. Yeah, well, you know, it's it, it, it's like it's almost uh, a type of neo barbarism, where you know my feelings, you know, back in barbarian times, right? It was the whole it was the concept of honor, and my honor requires that I, you know avenge this slide or whatever it may be. And there's a, a lot of bad things that went on for that. Now it's feelings. It's not honor. It's feelings. Well, my feelings right. disagree. My, my feelings are the top of the, the tier. Uh, you know, the rest of the stuff comes in underneath it. If my feelings are upset, then that's all it takes. That's all it requires. I don't, you know, I can do whatever my feelings demand. Yeah. Well, you know, Ben Shapiro says it, and I'm not a huge fan of Ben Shapiro, but that whole facts don't care about your feelings. I, I would phrase that as reality doesn't care about what you feel. Oh, and it will smite you right between the ears. Uh, you go throw your feelings at reality and reality go, yeah, gravity doesn't care about your reality it's or what, your feelings. It's what Rudyard Kipling called the gods of the copybook headings. No matter how you feel, no matter what you want, reality will assert itself and will do so often in the most brutal way possible. Because Indeed. reality doesn't care about your thoughts, your desires, your, your preconceived notions. Reality simply is what it is. And when you no longer darken this orb, it goes right on doing what it was always doing. Yep, and you can only deny reality for so long and then you're done. But, you know, I, I guess that's a lesson that has to be learned. You know, one of the people in the chat wrote in uh, from Thomas Sowell, uh, each new generation born is, in effect, an invasion of civilization by little barbarians who must be civilized before it is too late. <laughs> Which is true. Actually, Thomas Sowell said it's a vertical invasion of barbarians, to make the quote more precise. Um, and it's absolutely true. Yep. And we haven't done a very good job of uh, educating... Vertical integration. uh, Yeah, vertical (laughs) integration, or of educating the barbarians. And by the way, we see this uh, in all sorts of places. You know, I think of the New York Times and Barry Weiss. Hey, let's have some some opposing views on the New York Times editorial page. And the staff revolted. Yeah, and and that's what gets me. The staff rebels, and and, and an old-time New York Times editor go, go sit down. Or go find another job. Yeah, we don't do that anymore, apparently. 
No, all their concerns have to be validated, even if their concerns are invalid. And, and idiotic to boot. I'll, I'll never cease to be amazed by the increasing propensity of journalists to argue on limits to free speech. Yeah. As if the people that I trust with this will always be in power, and this will never, ever be a power that will ever be turned against me. It, it's the most god-awful, stupid idea I've ever heard. But here we are. But here we are. Yep, and uh, doesn't seem to be getting any better. Nope. So anyway, speaking of um, opposing views... Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, again, is causing all sorts of um, upset and disturbance in Washington, D.C. Yeah, and frankly, I don't understand it. She, uh, apparently, uh, the person who occupies, the representative who occupies the office either across the hall or next to her or whatever, put out a transgender flag. So Marjorie put out a sign, I guess, that says there are only two genders well apparently it's and, and below that it says trust the science <laughs> yeah so she's making a point and i get it <laughs> you know and i think it's a valid point my question is why is it one of them is able to express herself in the way she chooses to but the others condemn for doing exactly the same because one is pro-narrative and one is anti-narrative. It really of is course. that simple. And, and, that's, and that's obvious. That's obvious to all of us. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things that we're not going to, uh, we're going to continue to hear. Uh, she's going to be the bad person. She's the AOC of the Republican Party. And, and yet what she's doing is no different, frankly, than what the other person was doing. It's just not... Uh, it's not, it doesn't have the right narrative. That's exactly correct. Right. Well, speaking of somebody who, who didn't, um, who didn't uh, hew to the right narrative, the Senate parliamentarian <laughs> today <laughs> struck down the minimum wage hike in the COVID-19 relief bill. Yeah. Uh, AOC and Omar Ilhan, among others, suggested that uh, the Senate parliamentarian should be removed over the yeah, Fire the bastard. You know, he didn't do what we wanted. Meanwhile, um, in the Senate now, the uh, the as kind of a related result, uh, since they lost on the minimum wage, they are now pushing to get rid of the Senate filibuster. That well, that's right, and and that's the that's the problem because when it doesn't go through uh, on reconciliation, which are only the budget in you know these budget uh, bills uh, on reconciliation, uh, they they can be done with uh, uh, just a, a simple majority. But if you have to go with a bill, a regular bill in Congress to do the. Uh, 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 the $15 minimum wage, you have to have 60, vote, uh, uh, 60 votes in the Senate, and you're not going to get that. I mean, Manchin's already said he's not voting for it, and, uh, you know, it, it's dead. There isn't, gonna, isn't a Republican that's going to vote for it. Yeah, but if you get rid of the filibuster, you can win on a tiebreaker. That's right. Now we're back to that little, uh, that, that little majority vote that you need, and you can probably swing that. <laughs> 
and Somehow. apparently, and apparently, we haven't learned any lessons from Harry Reid getting rid of the filibuster for Supreme Court votes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Welcome to the world you made, folks. That's right. Yeah. This is their uh, their idea was to get rid of the filibuster on on judges. Um, they did because they wanted to jam through. They're short sighted as hell. And um, McConnell warned them when they did it. You you may live to regret that. And sure enough, during the four years of Trump, they lived to regret it. Yeah, and they're going to make the same mistake again. You know, people who think that politicians are smart and talented apparently don't know politicians. Oh, by the way, one thing I wanted to talk about earlier, and I forgot, but I have to do it because I thought it was so funny. You know, at CPAC today, they had a... I don't know whether it's bronze, whatever. It's a gold-colored statue of Donald Trump that they were wheeling through uh, CPAC. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw a person who posted a picture of that golden statue of Donald Trump and said, Republicans prepare to worship the golden idol Oh my God! prior to wandering in the desert for 40 years. Oh, my God. Which makes you wonder if that's not true. I agree. Yep. Uh, in any event, um, President Biden doesn't seem to figure out whether he wants or does not want to blame the Saudi crown prince for killing Adnan Khashoggi. Yeah, I swear. <laughs> and and if he does or doesn't, so what? Yeah, but this is this is going on in the. Uh, the, the top policy echelons of the administration. Are we actually going to blame the Saudis for killing this guy? Because if we piss the Saudis off, well, that's bad. But if we don't, it upsets our base for not uh, doing the opposite of what Donald Trump did, which was to basically sweep it under the rug. Um, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. How much do you think they pissed off the Saudi Arabians with the, when they took the, uh, uh, the Yemeni terrorists off the terrorist list? Uh, how much do you think they pissed off the Saudi Arabians when they said they were going to get back in the Iranian deal? I mean, uh, they've already done that. So whatever they do with this, uh, you know, it's the, the, the damage has been done. Uh, this will either pile more on it or make them look, I mean, this is a no win for them. Uh, and frankly, they deserve it. They should have just let that sleeping dog lie. Yeah. But nope. Couldn't, so, couldn't help themselves. Now it's a hot potato. Right. So let's see what's going on. It's just, again, the, I can't imagine that this level of incompetence doesn't have at least some input from Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> You know it does. Either that or Kamala Harris, one of the two. I mean, do you think Joe Biden's not the sharpest knife in the drawer? The, 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 it's, 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 the, it's the mixture of ignorance and arrogance that I find so perplexing. I agree. Yeah. Well, when you don't know you're stupid, uh, you can be arrogant. It, it, it's the Dunning-Kruger effect writ large. In fact, I, w I would argue that most elected officials are absolute poster boys for the Dunning-Kruger effect. And I would say you're probably absolutely correct. 
I'm, I'm, I'm very confident in that. <laughs> Meanwhile, south of the border, uh, a lot of people apparently coming in from you know Central and South America, including many migrant children. Uh, fortunately, we've managed to find humane overflow facilities. Humane? Yeah. Into which to place these children. That's good. The fact that these are literally exactly the same facilities that were used in the Trump administration, which, by the way, were exactly the same facilities used in the Obama administration, are of um, no newsworthy interest. Yeah, minor interest, minor interest, yeah. I get it. I mean, this uh, this is the way it works. This is the way it works. We'll just change the change a few lines, uh, change the name a little bit, uh, call it something else, uh, euphemize it, and it's okay then. With all the attention today focused on those videos played before the. Sorry about that. That was a, a video from a news story I was uh, looking up, which is that the FBI um, believes that they may have a suspect in the death of Brian Sicknick, the Capitol Police officer who was sprayed with bear spray. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes, that uh, just came out uh, a little while ago from uh, from CNN. So the FBI thinks they have a prosecutable case. I'll be darned. What, uh, go with it, because I'd like to find out about that myself. Yeah, so would I. So <laughs> we'll... Um, We'll see, but apparently the FBI has uh, singled out the person that is responsible. So, now, how are they responsible? What what supposedly did they do? Well, he was sprayed with chemicals and subsequently died. Therefore, he would not have died had he not been sprayed with chemicals. Therefore, you've got at least second-degree murder. But I was under the impression that they could find nothing uh, that was relatable. So I, that's why I'm interested in the story. Yeah, well, the FBI has refused to announce the suspect's name. And the one video we have of Sicknick being sprayed um, uh, doesn't directly tie the individual that the FBI says is responsible to his death. So I'm not entirely sure uh, (laughs) what's going on there. Yeah, this... Hey. What was the name of the guy that they pinned the Reichstag on? (laughs) Uh, there you go. I swear, this seems more and more like the Reichstag burning every single freaking day. Yeah, it, it would have been nice if there hadn't been people on Gab and Parler talking about how they were going to do all of this stuff. Prior well, to apparently it was mostly Facebook. Or Facebook. Yeah, yeah but, but the point is, remember, we unhooked Parler because that was the, the narrative. This right-wing competitor was uh, was out there uh, uh, fomenting insurrection when, in fact, uh, eight times the number of Facebook posts uh, than those on Parler have been found hey, in by, evidence. By the way, Parler came back. Yeah, it is. It's back. Parler is uh, is live. Yes, it is. I'm not sure whether they can get over that shutdown, but apparently they're running on their own uh, their own infrastructure right now. Yeah. And they fired the CEO, John Matsey, for... Right, they ran his ass out of town. some reason. For some reason. Yeah, I'm still not entirely clear on that, um, but okay. Well, 
interesting hey, interesting things your, happening there. It's your it's your damn system. Have fun with it. Yep. So he's uh, he's out there. He's dog meat. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you had a couple of other things you wanted to talk about, though, right? Yeah. One was. Uh, let me see. Let me run my. Oh yeah, you did that one. Uh, we did that one. Let me see if I got anything else. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuomo's me too. Our boy uh, Cuomo just had a lady come out and say, "Yeah, this bastard kissed me. Just kissed me right on the lips, without you know." And so, uh, you know, and, and we must, it, as we were told unceasingly during the Kavanaugh uh, uh, confirmation hearings, we must believe all women. That's right. And, and so um, the, those that demanded that at the Kavanaugh hear, hearing, uh, one being Kamala Harris, have been strangely quiet about this. Uh, they just, uh, that and, and uh, what's her name, Jen Psaki, uh, they've been strangely quiet about this. Uh, they're not interested whatsoever uh, in speaking out. Uh, AOC has said nothing, uh, and they've had many inquiries. Uh, Nancy Pelosi said nothing. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, the, when, uh, and Kirsten Gillibrand, the, you know, who the lady who had zero tolerance policy, uh, she says now sexual harassment is a form of power abuse. And when you piece it all together, the hidden, but, but, but now public harassment and what we've seen already in broad daylight by Cuomo, you can put together a profile of this kind of, of, of a, power abuser he is that's what that's uh, wrong quote erica vladimir said that what's her name gillibrand said hey we need to we need to let this play out and see where it goes which is strangely reminiscent of what we used to say about the uh, kavanaugh thing yeah but that was then and this, this is now, now. <laughs> shit yeah and, and god is that that is just true and i even hate to you know even want to admit anymore that's god that was then and this is now that, that's the rule we're operating under i believe you not the democrats are in charge these things are unimportant unless of course a republican is accused of the same thing in which case um they should be driven out of public life like some kind of poison troll right absolutely right but anyway that's his world is really collapsed uh, he's he's in deep doo doo. Just a month ago, this guy was a hero. Oh yeah, he was the toast of the town, and that damned old Ron DeSantis. Well, he could, shouldn't even be in the same room with him. Hilarious stuff. Yeah, well, now that um, any sort by the of, way that now that any sort of COVID failures might bound back on Joe Biden, um, we have to. We have to uh, um, pull the ripcord and jump out of that aircraft so that we don't get caught up in any of the uh, any of the uh, backlash from people getting upset about how COVID is being treated now. So you know when, when uh, and Cuomo is a perfect example of this. All of the failures were Donald Trump's fault. Okay. Yeah. Well, if they if if all of those failures are the president's fault, then having him stick around and continue to fail um, 
that must be Joe Biden's fault. And if so, then, <laughs> you know, now maybe we have to start looking at Cuomo. You know, he lied, right? Which is which is convenient that we got that uh, audio clip released. Oh, well, Cuomo's a liar. We can now freaking abandon him. Right. Yeah, he, he can do us no more good. Right. That's the that's the that's the big deal. He, he at this he point can he can only no hurt more us. good. Yeah, he, he can only hurt us at this point. So let's uh, let's jettison that fellow. Yep. Although, like you point out, they're they're being very judicious in their silence about the whole thing. I know. They and, and oh, but here's the good news for New Yorkers. Yeah, Bill De Blasio has volunteered to go ahead and run for governor. You know, because this guy needs to be out of here. I'm not even sure he could win re-election as mayor. <laughs> oh, he's going to save New York, you know. I mean, like he saved New York City or something. Yeah, well, you know, I can only say I'm glad I don't live there. Amen, brother. Not that I'm living in a peach of a place myself at this point. <laughs> well, hey, yeah, wait, but, wait. you know, we were, we were talking about possible... Um, uh, God, what was I going to say? Possible uh, uh, presidential contenders in 2024 on the GOP side. Um, you have uh, uh, Christy Noem. We talked about her last week, but you also have uh, Ronda Senes, who I think is probably the strongest of the bunch as far as uh, who could, who could uh, be acceptable. I'll put it that way. He's down at CPAC right now, so is Christy Noem. And he uh, he's talking about, um, uh, you know, things that are going to be warm to the to the base's heart. And uh, we'll see. He can uh, he can probably write his own ticket. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting field in 2024. I don't know what that field is going to be, but I, I certainly would not bet against Ron DeSantis being in it. I wouldn't either. That's that's for sure. Not entirely sure. I'd bet against Rick Scott not being in it. I think you're right. Which, I think you're right. Which would be uh, which would be interesting. Two Floridians going head to head. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty wide open. But I still fall back on the Trump blessing is the key. Yeah, and I think I think he's going to realize that somewhere in the next, during this next four years, uh, that's, that's where he can have his biggest impact. And, uh, you know, not just the presidency, but he can bless those that run for all kinds of office. Well, um, uh, Donald Trump Jr. today at CPAC said as much. Saying, oh, is that right? Yeah, don't just go out and vote for Republicans because they have an R after their name. There's a lot of Republican senators and congressmen that need to be primaried. Sounds like AOC, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sounds just like AOC. And, and look, it would it would be super interesting if uh, Trump had a list of Senate and uh, House primary candidates that he supported. Exactly. Was, and started going out and campaigning for him and yeah. raising money for him. You think the Tea Party was bad? Yeah, well, see, and I'm talking about I'm talking about establishment Republicans now. If you th if they thought the Tea Party was bad, this they have created a monster. Well, the Tea Party was only bad to the extent that there were a lot of people who were committed to it, 
And no, no, no. I, 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 I'm using bad in the context that it, that, that it, that it, um, no, I understand that. that. I understand that. Okay. But I, I'm saying that if you're an establishment Republican and you thought the yes. Tea Party was bad because so many people were drawn into it, right. um, at least it had the virtue of not having a recognizable leader. Mm-hmm. And so the impact of the Tea Party was always rather easily blunted by the fact that these were just regular voters and they didn't really have any political clout. Right. And they didn't really have any direct leadership who posed any sort of threat to you. If Donald Trump decides to be a kingmaker, uh, you now have a former president who can go out and campaign and who can be a figure around which some of these people will coalesce. And if you think your jobs were in danger because of the Tea Party, I've got yep. some really bad news for you. Yep, I agree. I agree 100%. And, and so I think he, he can wield more power in that, regard, in that way than he could, ever could trying to run again as president. I mean... I, what what are one of the lasting legacies, regardless of what Joe Biden has done uh, with his executive orders? What's what's one of the mo- probably the most lasting legacy of Donald Trump? The courts. The yeah. courts. He has filled them up. And, and so, uh, you know, he was the kingmaker in the courts. And, and, and consequently, his legacy lives there. Uh, now he can do that politically. Uh, in House and Senate races, or even down to governor's races. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly in some states, he's a very potent force. Yes. And so that, to me, is where we'll see Donald Trump. And and I think uh, I think he will have a, a definite effect, especially now he can't get on Twitter. Yeah, well, he'll, <laughs> he, he will find some alternative method, it looks like. Oh, um, I'm sure he will. You know, this, this thing at CPAC is just a Donald Trump love fest. So exactly. He clearly yeah, exactly. has a he clearly has a constituency out there. And if he decides to uh, wield that constituency, you could see a fundamental change um, to the I mean, certainly it wouldn't affect places probably like Ohio or Pennsylvania or what have you. But, right. Right. But in many other states, you might see quite a different congressional delegation showing up there. Should he decide to throw his full weight behind some of these candidates. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so interesting. It's going to be an interesting time. It's going to be, uh, for political uh, watchers, it's going to be a fun time to see how this works out. Yeah, because honestly, he would have been less of a threat to the GOP had he won the election. I mean, the establishment GOP. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, he'd have probably gone on and disappeared and and, you know, We'd have never heard from him again. He would have just continued uh, to concentrate on his tweeting. Yeah, now he's pissed off. He's got four years to mull it over. And he's he's definitely the type of person. And this is the thing you have to understand. He is the personality type that is going to try and get even. Yep. He he can't help himself but to try. That's right. So so he just hasn't figured out yet how he's going to do that. Well, I think... um, I think his kids, especially Don Jr., are steering him towards that kingmaker position, yeah. based on just based on what they're saying publicly. Um, again, you know, I don't that anybody tells Donald Trump what to do, but um, 
in the Trump camp, the people who are closest to him seem to have a different idea than him running for president again. <laughs> and look, if you're Donald Trump, why would you want to be president? Well, yeah, you've done it. Well, not only have you done it, but but in the doing of it, um, I mean, you were just constantly being hammered by yeah. everybody and their brother. Who needs that sort of uh, agitation? Agreed. And now you can do the hammering. Yeah, directly or indirectly. Yeah, however you want to do it. But, I mean, how 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 much can you rub their face in it when, when the, this is a uh, Donald Trump-approved candidate who just won office? Yeah, the, the, I just wonder about the kind of people he'll support. Look, uh, as one of our commenters just wrote in uh, listening to us, the GOP is courting a revolt if they don't get it together. People are looking for someone who will stand and fight. Now, that's been the, the sort of the generic criticism of the GOP establishment for, geez, decades now. Yeah, uh, and that's why Trump was so popular, like, like I was saying earlier. That's why he's at CPAC right now. That's why CPAC is a Donald Trump love fest. Because CPAC for years has been saying exactly that. Why don't our people stand up and fight? Exactly. And Donald Trump stood up and fight. Now, as we have talked about endlessly on this podcast, he is an imperfect messenger for that message. Um, because he didn't seem to know what fights were worth having and what fights weren't. Um, every fight was his. That's true. Yeah, every fight needed his full attention. Um, that's, that's a good way to exhaust yourself into impotence. Um, someone who will fight and who can fight and who does so in a rather less irritating and off-putting manner. Let's see if you're going to say the name I'm thinking. Who do you think? I don't know. Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. He has, he has handled uh, Florida beautifully. He's pushed back perfectly. Uh, he has uh, lectured the press at the appropriate times. He has, uh, policy-wise, outperformed every Democrat out there in, in the COVID uh, uh, wars. I mean, there's no question about that. And he's, he's a young uh, photogenic guy, uh, but he doesn't take crap from anyone, and I like that. His problem, as far as I can see it, is that his successes in Florida have not gotten wide currency in the media. Gee, not wonder, a, gee yeah. I wonder why. There's not a lot of people who know about him. And when you compare Florida's performance to New York's performance uh, under our golden boy, uh, Andrew yeah. Cuomo, uh, there's simply no comparison. Florida, by almost any statistical or scientific measure that you can think of, has done a far more effective job at keeping um, COVID um, restrained than just about anybody else. And yet it's a story yeah. you never hear. And I think his big his big uh, hurdle is getting that story out, out. there. And gee, who could do it better than Donald Trump? Yeah, so you know, DeSantis. DeSantis <laughs> is not showing up at CPAC um, by accident. Let's put it. That's that way. correct. That's right. And so, and so, uh, th this is. Uh, uh, I would say CPAC is the uh, 
the preliminary roster for 2024. Uh, Noam, DeSantis, maybe some others, but I, I think those, you know, those are the guys that are, and Cruz is there, you know, those are the, the folks that, that Trump's going to be uh, backing in whatever they do. Uh, and, and I think it's interesting that two of them are governors. Uh, governors, you know, that's where we, that's where a lot of our presidents come from. Uh, and I think Noam and, and uh, DeSantis are, are, uh, are Trump picks right now. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Christy Noam's problem is that she's from South Dakota. Right. And as I said, the, uh, the last time she'll get the uh, Sarah Palin treatment from the elite, uh, you know, this backwoods governor, what's she doing here? Uh, she doesn't know anything about Washington, which is probably true, <laughs> you know, but uh, she, she'll get that treatment and uh, no telling what, what, what the treatment other than he's a Southern and he'll try and find something racist about anything he does, says or, or, or thinks about in the next four years. Uh, for DeSantis, uh, yeah, well, you know, that's, certainly the the, that's certainly the fallback position. It's always racist, no matter what it is. Yeah, no matter what. Yep. I mean, yep. He wouldn't be a Republican if he wasn't racist. There. Well, there you go. See, because that's the narrative. It's self. It, it's self-evident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, what was it? I put up. I put up something on Q and O. Oh yeah, there were two charts I put up, which was which were interesting to me, and um, they they lay out the the question was, how concerned are you, if at all, that the following are problems for the country? So when they oh, asked yeah. the Repub, did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. When they asked the Republicans, the the top was illegal immigration. Uh, the second was lack of support for the police. The third was high taxes. The fourth was liberal bias in the mainstream media. And the fifth was general moral decline of the company, country. So when they ask uh, the, the Democrats the same question, here's the top five for them. Donald Trump supporters, white nationalism, systemic racism, gun violence, and American la Americans lacking health coverage, and the two below that were domestic terrorism and public and police brutality. Yeah, it's it's two different countries. It is completely different. I mean, my God, you you can't see it any clearer than those two charts. It was amazing. Uh, yeah. So how do you how do you bring that together? You don't. I, I just don't see how you bring that that together. No, I don't. And and the Democrats, here's here's the funny thing. The Democrats are largely worried about things that are, A, untrue, mm -hmm. and B, even if they were true, are essentially unfixable. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny watching over the last four years, watching um, the narrative develop about white nationalism. I mean, the... <laughs> There's the narrative, and where are the examples? Well, you know, there's, really, you've always got the Richard Spencers of the world. You can always well, trot yeah, those guys out. But we've out. always had those guys. This right. guy here, this guy there. And, and, of course, they get way more coverage than they deserve. Yeah, they're emblematic but you, of a but small you notice, group of losers and nothing else. Yeah, David Duke was the Richard Spencer before. 
Exactly. You know, I mean, they're always there. They will always be there. They make up that one one hundredth of a percent out there. Yet those guys are the ones that they're going to show every time. They're going to go interview. They're going to go, you know, dig into their past, all this stuff, and tell you this is what you know X number of people are like. Well, these this is what whites are like. This is what whites believe. I mean, look at look at what Coca Cola did. Uh, this week, uh, or not this week? Last week. They had the try yeah, to be last less week. white. Yeah, try to be less white. And my thought was try to be less racist. So Coca Cola, right? Well, see, here's here's the thing. And and for most of my lifetime, white supremacists were just you know a bunch of losers. Maybe you know in a whole town there were ten or fifteen of these guys that would. Uh, I grew up in Pasadena, Texas, and there actually was a Ku Klux Klan meeting hall there. Um, I don't think I ever saw more than two or three cars parked outside it. I have no idea what they did while they were there. And it's always been, a, you know, it has, since the civil rights era, always been a fringe movement. However, whenever you are constantly barraged by the race consciousness that we've gotten from the left, it doesn't surprise me to see that there is a blowback to that uh, to that narrative yeah i mean i always try to remind people that bull connor was a democratic national convention person. delegate yes yeah delegate yeah that joe biden is seen holding uh bird's hand at his birthday uh you know the uh, the exalted cyclops the ku 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 clan in west virginia um richard bird i was trying to think of his first name <laughs> yeah richard bird but yeah you know, uh, that that the Ku Klux Klan was really the militant arm of the Democratic Party in the South. Uh, but these lessons are not taught anymore. Uh, these things. So, so, you know, if there is systemic racism, you know what you know from where it stems and it's not the right. All right. But this constant um, capitalization on grievance politics. Yeah. Has feelings. A, has, feelings. Yeah, it has a downside to it, which is that people who previously hadn't given much thought about it are, at least to some degree, radicalized by their disagreement with these with these arguments. I mean, to the extent that there is a growing white supremacist movement, it's largely because of the concentration on race, which has been so and, and grievance which has been such an integral part of leftist politics. But I would argue it's not a white supremacist movement. It's a bunch of whites tired of this crap. Yeah, but that's easy to label as white supremacist. Well, I understand that. I mean, hell, they'll label a can rolling down the road as white supremacist. They will change definitions at the drop of a hat to suit their, uh, uh, you know, ideology. Um, I mean, it's just... It's preposterous. Um, we've been through this. Uh, there is no white supremacist uh, uh, a conspiracy. Uh, the white supremacists pretty much died with the Southern Democrats. Yeah, and what's left is a rump movement that has almost no popular support. And look, None. the thing is, even white people who don't like this whole atmosphere of racial grievance, um, if they say anything about it, I mean, no matter how mild their criticism are, then they just get lumped in. Oh, well, then you're the racist. There right. you go. And, and, and so what's happening, your, your point about blowback is exactly right. Uh, 
So, so what's happening is uh, more and more people are running into this. And they're look, you know, it's it's like that. It's like that uh, uh, story out of Smith College, where the where the young lady, the young black lady, was uh, supposedly uh, accosted uh, eating while black, and she uh, uh, was just humiliated. And oh, they had this, these big rallies, and uh, oh my God, she was uh, she was uh, almost deified, you know, for standing up to the man and all the shit. Then we find out now, uh, 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 you know, two years later, that in fact she was in a closed dorm, uh, eating where she shouldn't have been, and a janitor spotted her, and to was told had been told that if you see anybody in here, contact security, which he did, and security came to find out who she was and what she was doing there, and uh, you know she uh, was asked to go ahead and leave. And she did. And so she put a big Facebook post up and accused these workers of being racist. And one of them uh, who suffered from lupus ended up in the hospital under stress. One, one of them uh, who left uh, was not even present. One of the ones she doxxed was not even present uh, when, when this took place. And we find all this out later that she was where she wasn't supposed to be doing what she wasn't supposed to be doing. And the guy who saw her, who happened to be white, simply did what he was told to do. And the security guy also came and did what he was told to do. Yeah. That's the story. Which, by the way, the, the, the statement from Smith College, as I read it, was basically, yeah, they were doing what they were supposed to do, but it's racist anyway. So Yeah. Yeah, it was just the most amazing cave-in I've ever seen in my life. I mean, talk, we talk about gutless and spineless politicians. Holy crap. They must have a whole different uh, spineless pool for uh, college presidents these days. They are awful. Well, you know, that's been the complaint since the 1960s, Bruce. Yeah. That you're just letting the students run the campus. And that's exactly what's happening. But if they knew how to run things they wouldn't be students. <laughs> and on that you note... Take. <laughs> Bruce, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week. All right, man. You've been listening to Observations Q&O Podcast for Friday, the 26th of February, 2021. On behalf of Bruce McQueen, this is Del Frank saying thanks for listening. We appreciate the fact that you do and hope you'll be doing so next week. Until then, have a great week, everybody. So long. So long.